The family of God is the greatest thing on this planet. Amen. Psalm 6511 is our scripture for the year. Psalm 6511. You crown the year with your goodness and your plant paths drip with abundance. Uh, not to make excuses for Melody, but she was up at 235 this morning. Up two. And there's a reason why I knew she was up to 235. But this is, uh, I want to talk today about the family, men, but the family in general. Ladies, this is the men's theosaurus, which means that men don't always say what they mean. And all the women said, amen, amen. yeah. When a man says it would be, it would take too long to explain, he means I have no idea how it works. When a man says, take a break, honey, you are working too hard, he means, I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> when a man says, it's a guy thing, he means, there is no rational thought pattern connected with this, and you have no chance at all of making it logical. When a man says, uh-huh, sure, honey, yes, dear, he means... Absolutely nothing, it's a conditional response. This one, we have me and my two sons, so there's three men in our house, so this is said every single day, and I'm not exaggeration. When a man says, I can't find it, he means it didn't fall into my outstretched hand, so I'm completely clueless. My wife says, you know, you might have to move something to see if it's there. When a man says, I heard you, he means I haven't the foggiest clue what you just said. And I'm hoping desperately that I can fake it well enough so you don't get mad at me. Uh, when a man says, that's not what I meant, he means... If something I said can be interpreted two ways, and one of the ways makes you sad or angry, I meant the other one. <laughs> and the last one, if your husband says, honey, what color is this? He means, uh, listen to this, all men see in only 16 colors. So you women, you do see color better than men. Only 16 colors. It's like Windows default settings, you know. Uh, <laughs> Peach, for example, is a fruit. It's not a color. <laughs> Pumpkin is also a fruit. And I have no idea what taupe is, so I don't know. But I want to talk to you today a little bit about family. When Melody and I started the church right after Noah got off the boat. It seems like it's been a while. But, uh, you know, we had to come up with a legal name for the IRS to get our 501c3 and all that process, you know. And so we thought and thought, you know, this is a big deal because this is going to be a name that's forever. And so I thought, you know, coming to Colorado, this is the first time I've been to Colorado. didn't know anybody in Colorado. came to Colorado, and I was just so impressed with the Rocky Mountains. I says, I want Rocky Mountain to be in the name. She said, okay. It can't be Rocky Mountain Church, though, so we got to... What else? So we thought and thought, and she came up with family. 
And I said, that's it, Rocky Mountain Family Church, because it just meant so much to the two of us that we didn't want to have just church. We wanted to have family. And family's a big deal to us, and family's a big deal to God. He's interested in family. He wants family. That's why you and I are here today, because you to get into your family, you had to get birthed into it, right? You were born, and that's how you got into your family. Well, it's the same way with God's family. We have to be birthed into it in John 3.16. It's one of the most famous scriptures. It should... Well, let's just read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is all it takes for salvation. Believing Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And when you do that, you get born again and you get birth into the most awesome family on the planet. Many of us, many people, probably come from broken homes, Maybe you come from a family that's not so great. Don't anybody say anything. But, uh, and there could be somebody who's an orphan and you don't know anything about your family. Well, the great thing about that is not that you're an orphan, but when you get born again, God becomes your heavenly father. And now you have brothers and sisters all over the world. All over the world. The family of God. Many of us were, you may have been right, my dad left when I was nine years old, and so I didn't have a male figure as far as those first, not very long after that. God brought uh, my brother-in-law and uh, my sister, who married this man, and he became a father figure to me. And so God always, no matter, you know, let me just say this. If you get divorced or your spouse left you or you left your spouse, we're not going there. But anyway, whatever the case may be, you know, I always like to shock people, shock people. And I tell people, you know, I'm divorced. And so when I say that, they go, and you're a pastor? I said, yeah. God has a way of making things right even when you mess up. My point is this, you know, when you come from a broken home or maybe you remarry and you have kids now that don't have the original father, original mother, whatever. But uh, all over the world, there's kids that are having so many issues and problems today because they come from broken homes and they don't feel accepted or maybe they feel like they caused the divorce. And, uh, and there's a, one part of the reason for that is this. This is really simple. Those kids now are part of something that no longer exists. It's a simple truth. They came from something of marriage that no longer exists now. And so they could have issues. Well, I mean, I could have issues. But I will say this. God has a way of being a father to people who are in that situation. And if you trust and rely upon him, there won't be even a hiccup. I don't think it has to be 
issues of, of kids that are in what they call broken homes. First of all, God is the healer of all broken homes. And so you can rely and trust and believe Him even when you've... And let's just face it, when you're a young parent, I mean, Elijah was talking, you know, he, you know, he's a daddy, you know. When you're, when you're young like that, you have this baby, and you just look at that baby, and then it starts doing things, and you go, what do I do? And it's, it's a, isn't it a little overwhelming, the first one? And after you have four or five, you go, you know. You know, the pacifier on the first one gets dropped, and you know, you boil it in water and everything. By the time the fourth or fifth one comes on there, you lick it and go, you're good, and stick it in. <laughs> but to, you're, it's, it can be overwhelming. But the point is this, is that when we believe and trust God, I don't care what kind of brokenness you came from or what you went through, God is the healer of all things. You just need to believe that. You need to believe that. Believe God. Take the limits off of God. He's a great father because Satan really hates the family. His job is to tear families up, to tear churches. Anything that can be in unity, he wants to tear that up. In a family, you find security. In a family, you find identity. You learn responsibility, accountability. But one of the greatest things about a family is acceptance. In a family, you, you, this, your brother, your sister may have issues, may have this, may have that. But when it comes down to it, they're family, and so they're accepted. In Ephesians, it says that we are the accepted of the beloved. In God's family, listen to me now. In God's family, you are always accepted. Faults, wrongs, sins. And all the other yucky stuff. God says, I still accept you. You're still my child. That's good news. Because there's so many people in families you try to measure up. If your brother do, does good, you know, you, you want to at least be as good as your brother. Your sister does good, and you want to be at least as good as her, and if she passed, you want to at least pass. And there's all this trying to be, uh, to do great, so you will be accepted, because kids struggle with acceptance. But that's a great thing about our church. We're teaching your kids their identity in Christ, that their acceptance and their measuring stick is by Jesus, not by their performance. Because the whole world, even Christians and church people, they are always trying to make sure that we measure up. I want to measure up. I mean, I used to serve God, and I want to, God, I, I just want to do my best and work my hardest. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is something wrong with that if that's what you're doing to measure up. Because you'll always fall short. Why? Because the measuring stick is not Mike, it's not Jeremy, it's not Trish, it's Jesus. That's the measuring stick. And if I've got the measuring stick on the inside of me, I measure up. Woo! Is that good news? I've got the measuring. Somebody says, well, you know, that guy just doesn't measure up. Oh, is he not a believer in Jesus? Well, yeah, he's a believer. Then you should say, well, then he measures up. Well, yeah, but you know, he's got five. No, there's no yeah, but in that. 
If you're a believer in Jesus, you measure up. And all of our brothers and sisters with all of their uh, insecurities and problems and messes and their yuckiness of their life, they still measure up to Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul talks about the whole family of God. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ might dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Why do we need to be rooted and grounded in love? If you're not rooted and grounded in love, you always feel like you're not accepted. You show me a kid uh, that doesn't feel like he's accepted in his family, it's because he doesn't feel love in the family. But if he feels love, I'm telling you what, he's going to know he's accepted. So parents, make sure you show love. Make sure there's a lot of love to go around. Paul said that you need to be rooted and grounded in the love. And it's the love of God, by the way. It's not how much I love God. So much emphasis is put upon the cart before the horse. In other words, well, you just better make sure you love God with all of your heart. With all of you. you just better make sure you love God and an emphasis on that. That's the wrong emphasis. You put the emphasis on how much God loves you, and your eyes get open up to how much God loves you, it's going to be an automatic thing to love Him. Come on now you got to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. And then he goes on to say in verse 18, May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height of that love, which is immeasurable, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever. Amen. Being rooted and grounded in the love of God is the fundamental foundational thing. It's for family. And when Melody and I, we, like I said, we just didn't want to have any name of a church. We wanted to make sure that family was an emphasis. And not family that where this is where you bring your families. Of course, that's part of it. But our main thing in our heart is that we connect as family right here. Your family, the people sitting over there are part of your family. We're family here. Granted, we're family with anybody who believes in Jesus all around the world. But this local congregation, my number one goal is to make you feel like you are family here. Now, with like all families, we can have issues. This is not a perfect family. And there's not a perfect family on the planet, by the way. I've said this, you know, if you're going to look for fault in a marriage, if you're going to look for fault in a church, if you're going to look for fault in any job or any place on earth, you will find it. And our church is no different. You will find fault here. But this is the thing. The love of God... You know, we we quote that scripture, the love of God covers a multitude of sins. You know what that means? His love is greater than your sin. 
which means that love is in you, which means there could be somebody over here that say something or criticize or be judgmental toward you. Your love should cover that. You're still good. I said this to Melody the other day. I was watering, taking care of my trees, and, and uh, it just, this thought came to me that the devil, his main job is to rob you of your joy every day that you're on this planet. And he does it with stupid things, doesn't he? Sometimes it's pretty easy for him. Sometimes it can just be a phone, you're a phone call or text away from losing your joy. We're going to Africa and we won't be able to be in communication with anybody. Woohoo! Anyway. <laughs> For those who don't know, uh, we're leaving uh, after the service today. We're going up to Denver, spending the night, and flying out to Africa uh, tomorrow morning. So, yeah, praise God. And um, I'm excited, you know, for my kids and everything, but I was thinking this week, I just felt like the Lord says, I've got a message for you to take to them. I know this is, I'm being transparent, but... I've been so busy, I did not even thought about, you know, that. I just thought, well, Lord, uh, give me something, and I haven't gotten anything yet. So um, I haven't pursued what to preach when I get there. So uh, it just came to me um, Friday. I know you're excited about the trip. I said, yes, I am. I know you're excited about taking your boys who've never been to Africa. Uh, yes, I am. He says, but I want you to know I see the big picture. And I'm going to give you... A message for the people that will change their life. Man, you say, wow. But this is the thing. You don't have to be a pastor to do that. And this is what I mean. I'll give you a quote by Billy Wayne. He's a good friend of mine. He said this. He says, we are not here to be a big deal. We are here to make a difference. You have the power to make a difference, to give and positively impact other people's lives. Always remember that God has a plan for you. The only thing you need to do is to listen. You have the power to make a difference. And the first place that God wants you to make a difference is inside your home. Inside your home. Are you going to do things perfect? No. Man, I look back on, you know, Danielle was our first child. We, most people think, well, that's your experimental child. You know, you just, let's try it. Well, that didn't work. Well, let's try this. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> you don't get things right. But God does. I, I was thinking about this, you know. I, I feel like God's opened up a revelation about the grace message of the last three or four years to me. Well, I didn't have any of that when I was raising Danielle. I think she turned out all right. My point is this, that men, if you want to be real men and be great men, this is the easiest thing in the world. Just believe God. You don't have to get it all figured out. You don't have to get it all figured out. And you don't have to be, I got to just make sure of this. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, read books and learn this and learn that. But ultimately... God is the author of your children. He's the one who started them, made them. He knows what makes them tick. So you need to trust and believe God. 
That's what it takes to be a great man, a great woman. You can fill in the blank, anything great. Just believe God. And the biggest thing is to believe how much He loves you. I know that's a simple revelation, but most Christians don't have a clue about that. We struggle in that. We struggle in the love department. We struggle in the acceptance department. I'm telling you, I've studied out grace and read stuff about grace, and still, I screw up or do something stupid, and I just think, Michael, you are stubborn. I tell you, you you dumb. And I felt like, you know, I, used to, I tell this to my kids. They know this sentence by heart. You know, I, I see them make choices or attitudes, which are usually, you know, if I'm bringing it to their attention, it was a bad attitude, not a good one. So I'll bring it to their attention, and I say, the road that you're going down is going to be a destination you do not like. In my family, I'm famous for that line. Not famous for too many things, but that line I am. And so I was sitting there putting sackcloth and ashes on top of me. And the Lord said, the road that you're going down, (laughs) is it going to be a destination you do not like? And I thought, (laughs) I just chuckled. I go, that's my line. (laughs) And he says, yeah, and I'm telling you, the destination you like. Why? Because you make a bad decision, you do something wrong, you feel dumb, and you get shame and condemnation and depression. That's what it leads you to. Shame, condemnation, depression. That's where the devil says, yeah, you really dumb. Yeah, you really dumb. You really dumb. You really dumb. But he doesn't usually come in first person. He comes in uh, third person, he said, and he makes it sound like you're the one. Because he'll say, I'm dumb. I'm dumb. But it's him saying it inside of your mind. I'm telling you, make sure that you, this is why we have church, to find out how much God loves us, to find out our identity, because not only do we want us to be connected as family, we want you to have victory in your life. We want you to have victory in your life. Why? Because your father does. Your heavenly father wants you to have victory. Do we, are we 100% victorious in our everyday life? In the natural? No. In the spiritual? Yes, we are. Paul said, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. So you need to get that in your mind. Get that in your heart that I'm triumphing no matter what it looks like on the outside. I am victorious on the inside 24-7. You got to believe what God has said about you. You got to believe what God has said about you because... We want to believe what he said in his word is not just it's not just for pastors. It's for every person on this planet. Everything's going to be all right. Sometimes I don't have the things to tell my kids. Well, what about this? What about this? I don't know. But this is what I do know. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. There's a scripture in Romans 8.15. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. 
Now we call him Abba Father. I'm telling myself, but there's a famous group in the 70s called Abba. In Kentucky, we said Abba, but it is. <laughs> but uh, Abba is an Aramaic word. It's an Aramaic word, and that term in the Aramaic is our equivalent to daddy. I told God, I says, give me the ability and the wisdom through all these years to teach our congregation to know you as daddy. Because I was not raised in church to know God as daddy. We're raised in church a lot of times to know God. He's the all-knowing one. He is the all-powerful one. He is God in thunder and lightning. He melted Mount Zion. Ooh, I mean, when he just, ooh, he's, he's the bad dude, man. In a good way, you understand what I mean. So he's just, a, but I, I never was taught that God, my father, is my daddy. What's, what's important about that? Well, your daddy brings security in your home, protection, and acceptance. You know, kids want to be accepted by their dad. Even though my dad left when I was nine years old, he, he would come in and out, you know, in the town that I was living in. And uh, I remember when I was about 16, I was playing on a, a big softball team. And uh, he came, and uh, I told him I was going to play softball that night. Well, he play, it was one of the best games I had. I wonder why. My dad was watching, and I wanted to, to impress him. I ran like I've never ran before around the bases. I got, I got base hits like I've never gotten before. I caught flies, dive parallel to the ground. You know, I mean, it's like I could have been a highlight reel. You know, understand? I'm not saying that to brag. It's just there's a reason. There's a reason why. You want to be accepted. You want to do something good for your, your daddy. Well, I'm here to tell you, when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all that you could do now, there's nothing else, listen to me, there is nothing else you could possibly do to impress your daddy. I always wanted to impress God when I'm, when I was even started out pastoring, I want to be impressive. I just want to impress you so, you know, God will show up. So God would do this and so God would do that. Man, I look back on those and it was this all in vain. Are you hearing me? We can get real religious about serving God, but the bottom line is he wants you to know him as daddy. Is he God? Yes. You want him to be God when, when the devil's coming against you and sickness is coming against you. You want the big bad dude. You want to understand? He's the one who conquered sickness. And, but man, when you messed up or when you just want to crawl, you know, a little five-year-old? I mean, I remember Danielle, she was about 10, but she, she had arms and legs that went from here to Chicago. And so when she crawled on my leg, it was like holding a baby giraffe. <laughs> arms and legs everywhere, you know? I tell people her legs start right, right about here. She just had the longest legs in the world. So she'd get in my lap, and I'd hold her, and I'd just think, I got you, baby. I got you. I got you. And that's all it took. I got you. I didn't have to say it. Listen to me. I did not have to say anything. I didn't have to give any words of wisdom. 
All I had to do is just hold her. Just hold her. You know your Father God wants you to do that. Man, your Father wants you to do that. Crawl up in His lap. You can tell him that you're messed up, but you, know, you don't have to say anything. Just crawl up in his lap, and you will know the acceptance and love of your heavenly father. He wants to be your daddy. So now we have a famous that who's your daddy? God wants to be the one who fills that blank in. I'm your daddy. I'm the one you should be coming to when you have problems, when you have issues, when you have faults, when you have insecurities, when you have mess-ups. I'm the one you come to. I'm all, you want acceptance? Come to me. Go to God. Go to your daddy. I'm telling you, I believe, this is my opinion now. I'm stepping off my preaching Platform. This is my opinion. I believe the greatest revelation before Jesus comes back to this earth to take us home, if you believe in the rapture, which I do, is this, is that he's going to make himself known as daddy. It's the most awesome thing to know God is daddy. Because when you're in trouble, you know your daddy's going to be there for you. When you don't have words to say, when you don't have anything, when your back is up against the wall, all you need to know is daddy's here. Daddy. Daddy makes everything right. Daddy makes everything right. How's he going to fix it? I don't know, but dad's here, so we're good. God wants to be your daddy. And when I mean that, Please take it this way. It's not that I'm trying to bring him down. The point is, we need to be elevated up to know that he is daddy. It's not bringing him down. It's elevating. The Bible says that you have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You realize that that's why the Pharisees and Sadducees, all the religious people, got mad at Jesus because he called God his father. Nobody ever did that. They thought he was being sacrilegious. They thought he was blaspheming. You, you just, you're acting like he's your father. He is. Not only is the father, I'm, let me see if I got this scripture. You know when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he was, gonna, he was praying drops of blood. The most serious time in all of history. Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, and he knew what was about to happen. It's a pretty serious time in history, and Jesus knew. But listen to this. Uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 33. He says, And he took Peter, James, and John, Jesus did with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. Then verse 35, and he went a little further and he fell on the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible, that hour might pass from him. And he said, verse 36, look at this. Jesus said, Daddy, if there's any other way to get this done, let's do this. He didn't even say, Father. Are you getting this? Why? This is a, the worst time. Jesus was on the earth for 33 years. 
And so, he didn't go to God as Father. This is so good. Jesus went. And he said, Daddy, man, he's our example. You're going through something tough? Or, this is Father's Day. It'd be a good time to tell your daddy, Happy Father's Day. Not only your earthly one, but your heavenly one. Happy Father's Day. Because he's your daddy. He wants to be your daddy in good times, bad times, yucky times, the lonely times, the prosperous times. Just start thanking him today for being the daddy of all daddies. He is the daddy of all daddies. And he wants you to know him as daddy. And I tell you what, you start having that kind of mentality. Listen to me, this is good. You start having the kind of mentality that God is. You, are you saying, Pastor, I, he can be my daddy? Not only can, he is, you just don't know it yet. Daddies are so awesome in that they, they do. You, you do want their acceptance. When you start knowing him as daddy, you're going to find out you accept it all the time. And it's going to make, and my mom knew this, and I didn't know it, but, you know, she's in heaven now, but she said, God loves me better than he loves anybody else. And I go, Mom, that is so wrong. You should not say that. She'd say it on church people, in church, around church people. He loves me better than anybody. And I used to ridicule, not ridicule, but try to correct her. Mom, she, <laughs> but you know what? That's what daddies do to, that, to their children. You can have 14 kids, and you come to that, that one child, you're my favorite. I'm your favorite? Yeah. He said that to all of them. <laughs> well, how can he do that? He's God. But when you crawl up on your daddy's lap, it makes you feel like you're the favorite out of all of the, the family of God on the planet. Paul had that revelation. It's time the church get that revelation that God wants to be known as daddy. Because when he's daddy, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Well, how? I don't know. But my daddy's got it under control. My daddy's going to take care of everything. In Galatians, I close with this scripture, 522. This is the Passion Translation. It says, but the fruit of... But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its variation, various expressions. This love is revealed through joy. Now, when I talk about these, these are not only things that are in you, but these are things in your daddy. Did you hear me? All right, here we go. Joy that overflows. You crawl up in your daddy's lap or any day of the week. There's joy coming out of your daddy's eyes, coming out of your daddy's heart for you. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. What does it subdue? Anything that's not peaceful. Patience that endures. Oh, your daddy's patient. Kindness on display. A life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Your heavenly father, your daddy believes in you. 
Even when you don't believe, even when I don't believe in Mike Davis, my daddy believes in me. He believes in you today. Faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities. You can even say this, and that principle is never set anything above what God, your daddy, has for you. It's far above it. For they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion for everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. We have now chosen to live in surrendered freedom of yielding to the Holy Spirit. So may we never be found dishonoring one another, comparing ourselves to each other. For each of us is an original. We have forsaken all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. We're going to be gone four weeks, four Sundays. And you know, I just want to make sure it stays alive while we're gone. That first of all, your family. And then when you come to church, I said this at the first service, that you're not just here by accident. Most Christians don't, they, they just think, well, this has been my church. I chose to go to church. And that's true. You did choose. But do you realize the Bible says that God places the members of the body of Christ as it pleases him? When I was dating Melody, she was going to another church. When I was going to. I was going to the right one. No, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Kidding. A little bit. But anyway... Um, she said, you know, do you want to come and try out my church? And I was real blunt. And I said, no. She looked at me, kind of like, what you're looking at me. And she, I said, no. I said, God placed me here. I learned at a very young age that wherever God places me, that's where I'm going to flourish. That's where I'm going to grow. That's where I'm going to blossom. That's where I, life, I'm going to be happiest. I'm just going to be there. I know that people come to our church, and they're called, maybe called to another church. So I'm not, I'm not the head of the church. So it's not my responsibility or duty to say who comes here and who doesn't. It's not my responsibility. That pressure is off my back. But I will say this in 1 Corinthians, I forgot, 1 Corinthians 4.15. He says, you've had 10,000 teachers. But Paul basically says, I'm the one who's fathering you right now. Now, I'm younger than some of you guys, so I'm not, you know, granted, you don't look at me as your father. But spiritually speaking, I am. And there's things that God wants you to know that he will speak through me just because of the position that he's put me in. There's nothing special about me. I don't have angels that have put on my blue jeans in the morning. I'm just like anybody else. But when it comes to feeding the flock, then that's not a natural thing. That's a supernatural thing. So I encourage you, while we're gone, keep things alive. That you're, you're family here. Families, do they have issues? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brothers and sisters quarreling, and, you know. But when it's all said and done, they're blood. 
Do you realize spiritual family is deeper than natural family? Why? Because it's the blood of Jesus running through you and me. Woo! I said, woo! Do this, all right? It's going to be maybe easy to forget that we're still believing God for a multi-million dollar building to build for our city. And I'm not going to go in detail about that. And we're believing God for another church building. But I want you to believe God. Believe God to open up each one of your all's eyes to know God as daddy. Because I want you to know him as daddy. And I want to know him more in a greater way as daddy. Amen? Let's stand. Hallelujah. You're going to have some great speakers who are going to speak. I'm real careful about uh, who I put in the pulpit. Why? Because you're my responsibility. And I don't take that lightly. But I want you all to have more victory in your life this year than you've ever had before. It's not that you may face some 